You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, about to get started up in the coming weeks here. And Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. It's a post game. Win. They're back. Syracuse win, is winning. Right? The Celtics are winning. Life is winning. Talking. Sherrod's back. Everything's okay. The Sunday's looking good. Everything's okay. Celtics win. Well, and we got trade rumors. We get to do trade rumors, baby. You tell me which ones you want to do. I haven't read through them yet, so we'll leave them at the end of the show. Well, well how am I game. supposed to know what they are then? <laughs> I'm not reading through them now. They just dropped. They're they're hot off the presses. Yeah, so why don't you text them to me so the host knows, All and right. then we can talk about them. Also, we can have the producer make some fancy graphics if we have to rumors. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know what that means, John. That means they're not that great. That's why. Yeah, I know. You know, if there were Me's great there. options. Who can he get us? Yeah. Man. Yeah. All of those things. Uh, so, <laughs> Romeo uh, and so, I mean, look, I don't know. Good. Great. They, what do you think? You think they got the message a little bit in terms of the ball move? Like, you have these low moments, right? And this is always the, whether it's a team meeting or whatever it is. And, you know, they've hit a few rock bottom moments this year. You know, last game felt like one of them. They were really down on themselves again, saying all the right things. It's rarely resulted in action. Uh, but in this case, it looked like at least out of the jump, and I think it carried through a lot of the game, there was clearly a mindset and an emphasis on sharing the basketball. Um, and you could see it in the first few possessions, how the touches and the passes were quick and the ball was moving. And over the course of the game, it didn't really result in uh, much in the first quarter. But by the fourth quarter, by the second, by the third, second, third, fourth, and the three started to drop and it looked like it started to finally pay dividends. Did it look like a Sherrod, did it look like a mindset change at all to you in terms of how they how they approached the start of this game? It, it looked like Brad Stevens took some notes from the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, and, and some of the teams that are moving on. I mean, th- that ball movement, the, the guys moving without the ball, not necessarily to get to spots to shoot, but just moving uh created so many great opportunities for them to score. It was like watching like a really like steroid-driven 
Pete Carell Princeton team yeah. out there early on. Guys were just, I mean, it was it was great to see that. Uh, and it's frustrating because even in with that being said, they still went through those stretches and spells where it was just bring the ball up court, jack up a three. Yeah. Bring the ball up court, look guys off, jack up a three. It's like right. they're, they're trying, they're like, it's like they have this, this iso ball flu and they're trying to break it with a sweat and get out of that. And they're still going to have moments where they're going to go revert back to that. But I, I thought the effort offensively was to make sure the ball was moving and guys kept moving. And defensively, there was it seemed like there was a lot more verbal activity than there usually is, where guys were talking and, and trying to be on a string defensively. But it, you know, it's a good win because they needed one. But I'm not ready to, to you know, stamp approval that this team has figured anything out. Yeah. So yeah, and, and no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you, ahead, Sherrod. Ahead, I, I thought they pieced it together nicely in that third quarter. Again, the same yeah. uh, pattern we've seen throughout the course of the regular season, right? They, they get together, they reset at halftime, but then we don't know what's going to happen in that fourth quarter. And it's almost like I saw the story. Remember, I sent that text out. I'm like, 13, the, the, the Magic will get this down to 13 points before the fourth they quarter. They got down to 10. Do it. They, did, they eight, managed to do it like eight, 30 seconds. Eight, eight. It was eight. 91-83. We got it down to 10. It's like and, and three minutes the into the quarter. Again, that, but but again, that third quarter they pieced it together nicely because they were moving the ball. I'm looking, I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute, they, they have a double digit lead here in this third quarter, but they're around like 11 assists. I'm like, they need to keep moving that ball, and then that's exactly what happened at that in that uh, third quarter. But uh, one thing to point out also, that great third quarter they 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 put together, Jason Tatum went scoreless, and I don't mean that in a bad way. That's a good thing because I think Jalen Brown got cooking. You know, they were able to help each other out. Obviously, they were. Uh, playing playing great together as a cohesive unit, as a force from behind the arc. You know what? I predicted a, a lot more assists in this game, and I saw that finally in the third quarter. I also predicted a lot more threes. I just didn't think it would be those two. Right? I, I thought they would be the one distributing uh, throughout yeah. the night. That's the, yeah, that's the well, thing here. I, I don't know how that bodes for the in, in, in the long run, you know, but again, like you said, a win's a win. Yeah, no, it's, and again, the first bucket of the game, I texted you guys, you know, I was like, look at that, you know, like, boom, uh, you know, pass, 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 back cut Tatum, you know, you know, right. all alone there. And it was like, okay, that was something I tweeted right after that. This feels like one of those 30 assist games, 30 assist, feel good, make good games, you know, where it's like, ah, that's what it looks called like. It. And of course, but you know, again, it, I hate doing the make miss league thing. And Sherrod, we joked about it last time. Obviously, when those threes go down, yeah, it's much easier to get assists. Like, hey, here you go, guy standing two feet away from me, hit this thirty foot shot, and then they do, and you look and you get the assist. You know, like that. Those are great when they go, but they don't always go, Bobby. Yeah, I think you hit it for the most part that it was to a large degree shots falling, especially for Brown. You're gonna go out and hit ten threes in a game. Yeah. That's always gonna work, yeah. <laughs> but that helps. I, I love condensing the rotations as they have in recent weeks. And I know it hasn't worked right up until this point, but getting those five playoff starters back together, cutting off some of the minutes for the lower rotation guys like Grant, like all these guys that we've thrown around for the most part, you know, they got their little runs in this one. Neesmith got his chance in the first and second half. And then obviously down the stretch, but that starting five has great cohesion and I love them in the playoffs. You still saw Kemba struggle in the later portion of the postseason. They still were able to win in spite of that. So that's a group that has cohesion, connectivity, all that stuff. We haven't seen a ton of it this year. We haven't seen the unit play for more than three, four games. So I, I've hated that injury excuse all year, but that is a unit that brings something from last year that they had together. 
and can carry it forward this postseason. They just don't have the depth below that, as we saw again tonight even. Rob wasn't his best. Neesmith was awful in this game, I thought. Uh, Grant was Grant, and it was basically the starters carrying this to the finish line. Yeah, yeah. Neesmith was brutal. I mean – Oh, you know, so bad. You know, there, there was that, that one play where all I could think of was – Walking boot or air cast for his ankles because they got broke that bad. <laughs> that shouldn't yeah. happen. That yeah. just shouldn't happen, young fella. I know you're not Marcus Smart defensively, but damn, seriously? Not only um, that, Sherrod, it's a, I, there was one play where finally, 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 uh, he got uh, the ball got kicked to him for a wide open corner three, and it took him like eight seconds to load that thing up. You know, he didn't really. He, it was like, wait a minute, am I back at Vanderbilt? Am I screaming because they threw me the ball? You know, and it was, and the form was like late stages. Jawan Johnson, bad. You know, like, I was like, what are you Jimmy, doing? And Jimmy was looking at him the whole time in the corner. He's just like, yeah. this is gonna go to yeah. you. Get Here ready. Go, I'm making my move. <laughs> Here it comes. Like, literally. And he was like, I got it. Oh, yeah. So slow. And the defense, four fouls in 13 minutes. Every single time right. he was out there, the offense's eyes lit up and they threw him right into that pick and roll. And he just could never handle it. Like, it's so soon. We throw out all the excuses and stuff for him that are valid. I think this is the hardest season ever, and we've seen it with a ton of rookies around the league who are struggling, and there haven't been too many standouts outside the top three, but he just doesn't look ready for this level yet. You know what? what? Or ever. Or ever. Right. We we, we spent about, like, 90 seconds talking about Naismith, and we we shouldn't. He's not worth it. He really isn't. I want to talk about Marcus Smart. We talk a lot about Neesmith. I mean, I got to, I got to, I got to fill you in, Sherrod. We, we probably talk a, we, we talk a disproportionate amount about Neesmith because we're still waiting for something to happen. And, and there he goes, this way. Oh, there he goes. It just isn't happening, and we don't know why. And you want to give Neesmith a hug right now? That's that's where Josue went. Um, I can't believe he can. You're because you're right. The, the reason we talk about him is, it is. I can't believe how bad he is. Like I've never seen a player look like I said. We 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 compared him at one point to like early Avery Bradley, who was really terrified, was really afraid to put the ball on the court, just wanted to run away from any potential mistakes. And it took him a few years. I never thought watching Avery Bradley play his first season he'd have any chance of being a professional basketball player. And he and he was okay. And he and he and he and he did it. Um, so maybe Neesmith could follow that path, but man, he looks freaking terrified. Oh, well, the thing that, yeah, the thing that freaks me out about him is that he like, came I'm not into sure the he basketball before, right? He he came into the league with a very clear skill set that this team absolutely needed to have, and that for me is the mind blowing part about why he struggled. They need you to make shots. That's why you. That's why you're a lottery pick. Got the particular set of skills. He's like. No, I don't get it. Liam Neeson. No, anyway. Um, yeah, <laughs> Comment and we'll get it. <laughs> Man, they weren't they weren't kidding about your Wi-Fi, Josue. Damn, boy. Yo, I just trying to talk to Neesmith real quick. Like you said, man, I was just trying to, you know, try to encourage the young guy. It's a big road trip. It's a big road trip. Damn, you know. Yeah, that per diem, you're right. That per diem is pretty big on this road trip. I hope he enjoys it. This yeah, might have go been a long way. This may be the earliest we could. I mean, James Young was pretty early. Um, That's Joe, a comparison Joe, you think of. Joe Forte Ooh. was pretty early. 
you know, uh, you know, lower picks in the 20s, obviously, like Fab Mello. You know, there's a bunch of guys you grabbed and you immediately when you put them out there, you're like, no, not going to not going to work. This guy was a lottery pick. Huh? Right. Lottery pick. This was a lottery pick. Forte, I think, was 13 overall, but I can't remember. Technically, I guess. Yeah, for, yeah, Forte, that was when they, they had like three first-round picks. That was, uh, that was like pick. Joe Johnson, uh, Kendrick Brown, Joe Forte. I think that was that year. Kendrick Brown, man, that dude could fly. I remember him. That, uh, he sucked, man. He sucked. That's the only thing you could do. He, <laughs> he could, could fly. Jump That's all you could do. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I was in Detroit at that time, and and when his name was like among the ones oh, that he did, he talked about, the Celtics were like the only team that was like feeling Kendrick Brown, and the rest of the league was like, "You go right ahead and take that guy. We will not stand in your way all year." <laughs> That's yeah. funny because like the, the the dunk of his career was in Detroit. I remember he took off on like the free throw line, and that was yeah. it. That, that's all you heard from him. Uh, but Sherrod is right twice a day. Sherrod, we don't have to spend all this time on Neesmith. I am, you know, again, we, we've, we've talked about so much hope for him, but you're right. Is every, I, I want to see Brad play him only because you got to see what you have, but I mean, it's becoming apparent they have nothing in him and it is depressing. You know, it's depressing. Yeah. What you wish is you did. You do wish Brad said it prior to the game. We talked about this. He, he, he said, they ask Tatum and Brown if they want to rest all the time, and they always say no. You do wonder if there was one of those games where you had, you know, and it almost happened at that time, and then the Celtics kind of had that nobody could suit up, you know, thing during the COVID, during Tatum's COVID thing in the early going, so they couldn't play. But you almost wish there'd be a game or two where you could just give him 35 minutes as a starter and say your role is to score and just you see if you can do it, you know? He's an example of why the G League is so important. Because yeah. we all know he, he scored points. Yeah. yeah. But see, to me, the G League is, is the litmus test of whether you are an NBA player or not. Because James Young will go up to the G League and would be average. average. He would be like the fourth or fifth best player. And then you're thinking like, ooh, this is not good. Right. Yeah, you, you got a guy like, like Romeo who will go up there and play like 10 minutes and have like 15 points and, and, and seven rebounds. And almost every guy that – Taco. Up, exactly. Taco was every, killing it. Killing it. And you see where that guy yeah. hit him. He can't get on the floor. But when you're average in the G League, that means you are way, 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 way below average as an NBA player, and your lifespan in, in the league is going to be short. Yeah. We don't know that about Naismith. He hasn't had that opportunity. I'm curious to see what he does in the summer uh, because, again, the competition isn't going to be nearly Learns what he's to code. Seen. What's that? Learns to code. He needs a different trade. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. And John wants to keep all of these guys. Damn. I'd send him to coding camp or something. Damn. <laughs> Damn. John said, get out the career. Question, next, show we're gonna, next show, the only question we're going to ask is, could could Aaron Neesmith start in the G League? Oof. I know. I'm not I, giving up on young fella just yet. Okay. I'm not going to give up yet. I, I said I wouldn't talk all game. You wanted to talk about Marcus Smart. Tell me why. I, I want to talk about Marcus Smart because – this felt like a game where Marcus Smart had a low-key imprint on what was happening. The ball movement that we talked about, Marcus often was the guy that was either making that pass or the hockey pass that kind of got things going. And defensively, and I talked about this earlier, there was way more chatter, it seemed, in this game than there usually is. And Marcus was kind of leading that, and other guys followed suit. I, I've been thinking more about how when Marcus was out, how they weren't just missing – his play 
they were missing his presence. They were missing that voice in their ears. And and frankly, you know, and, and I wrote about this for Boston Sports Journal. It raised, and we talked about this uh, the other day, about how th- I think there are legitimate questions about whether this team loves to win more than they hate to lose. And I thought this was a game where they went out and said, you know, we just got to, we're not going to lose this game. It wasn't, they didn't play to me as if they were thinking, well, you know, let's just try to go out here and win. They were playing like, no, we can't F around and lose this game. And they need to play more like that. Because when you talk about teams that are really good, that have deep playoff runs, that's their thing. They don't care about winning. They care about not losing. Um, And I I was um, was thinking about this this morning. I remember a conversation I had with Ben Wallace years ago in Detroit. And this was when Detroit was really good and the Cavaliers were the cadavers. They sucked really bad, pre-LeBron. And I remember they – yeah. And they, they, they beat them by like five points. And guys in the locker room were pissed. They were upset because the game was closer than they won. And I'm, my thinking was, you won the game. What's the big deal? And they said, it's not about winning. It's about getting better and winning. And this this was a step back for us. I'm like, but you won. It's still a step back. And we're pissed that we took a step back. You don't see that with the Celtics. You don't see them looking at games where they may not play their best and find a way to win, them being bothered that they didn't play their best. It's like it became, well, we're just happy to win. And that's my concern with this team going forward, that they're too locked into finding ways to let's just win games as opposed to being pissed that they're not playing well when they do that. On Smart, eight assists. Brown had eight assists since February 21st. Tatum had eight assists since February 11th. They need a passing game like that from somebody. And that was going to be the biggest thing for him coming back was spreading the ball out to everybody. And I think almost all the starters got involved here. Tice was great. Brown, Tatum. I thought he was awesome. So that's that's what having a point guard does. And Smart's just such a great point guard. We always overlook that attribute in his game. He's the best passer on this team. Yeah, he's the only passer on this team. So, I mean, he has yeah. to be out there. To, he He's the only one who's who's looking for people and, and, and looking to distribute first, you know? And it's contagious. Um, yeah. I, I think it's contagious. Because I, 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 the way that they were moving without the ball today, I mean, it was – I mean, for those of us who love, like, college basketball, yeah. I do love college basketball. I love when guys are just moving. Like, well, Yola of Chicago, when they beat Illinois, I mean, if you had a chance to watch any bits of that game, my God, they put on a clinic yeah. on ball movement. Princeton-Georgetown, baby. That's what we want to see. Exactly. But you know <laughs> right. what? But, but we got better athletes in the NBA, so you can you can have the best of both for us. You can still have that, and you can have guys knocking down shots on, on transition. Well, it's, just, yeah. it's not, well, it's not, is, it's not, a, it's not college basketball. It's just basketball. You know, like, yeah, that's it's true. A, Making it's, the right play. It's it's, the, it's, and that's what you have to do. You have to get back to the basics, right? Yeah. You have to get back to 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 what's going to overall make this team better. Yeah, I thought Marcus did a great job of, of that today. You know, and he picked the spots. He wasn't, you know, uh, trying to be another Marcus that everyone can't stand sometimes, right? Where he's just like, okay, I'm going to try to, you know, make things better from shooting or or by being aggressive and, and and taking over the game. And he didn't do that. So I thought that was a that went a long way for this team, of course. But but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you in the sense that. This Celtics team, it's just it. It's like they're. I think John. I think you said it earlier in the season. It's like they're learning how to win games throughout the course of the season, and that was cute for like a month. But now, when we're talking, you know, forty-two plus games in, it's like, yeah, like a Sherrod said, you you shouldn't be, you know, ecstatic about this win. You should, man. We should. If I'm them, I'm I'm thinking. If I'm smart, we should have crushed this team by twenty points. You know, and, and you have to. 
approach a team like the Magic like that because back-to-back games against the Milwaukee Bucks, if you don't come correct, they will put you in your place real quick. And then again, we're back at, you know, well, where is this team going to go from here? That's why I was a little concerned that we didn't see a lot more assists from Tatum and Brown. Okay, yeah, we got to win. But again, I think they have to find new ways or better ways of making their teammates better. Them, on their own. Maybe not just by Marcus Smart's, you know, demeanor, but you know, when the shots aren't falling, what's going to happen? When, when yeah, Jason exactly. Tatum and it's not- Brown aren't making 17 three-pointers or combining for 17 three-pointers, what happens then? These are hollow victories in that regard for me because, again, I hate, exactly. playing, the make, I hate playing the make-miss league thing, but it, it, that's a big issue is, you know, you did not – it wasn't a big points in the paint game. They only got to the free throw line. They had 28 points in the paint. They got to the free throw line nine times. They made all nine, which is great. But that's not – you know, these these wins are not sustainable. Again, if you make, and again, I mean, you don't even have to shrink it down too, too far. If you just make a few fewer threes or shoot closer to your season percentage, you're in a friggin' dogfight again with the Magic, you know? Yeah, and, and the one thing that they, they did, they got away from, which bothered the hell out of me, was that when you talk about points in the paint, to me, I'm not as consumed about you getting points in the paint. I do need you to put the ball in the paint, whether it's a in guy the driving in right. the paint, Kicking a guy driving the paint looking sure, to score, right. doing Dance something to loosen that right. defense up by yeah, using the pants on the perimeter. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that, Get in that there. for me is, is the maddening part about this team sometimes because they were doing that during that stretch when they were just absolutely blowing the doors off the magic. And then they said, Well, since we're knocking down these shots after we, you know, uh, Get the ball in the paint. Forget that. Let's just skip the middleman. We're not going to get the ball in the paint. We're just going to jack threes because because right. we're feeling it tonight. And again, mm-hmm. it worked tonight. But as John pointed out, you cannot live and die by that because yes, yeah. when we start breaking down your team, we are going to be doing more autopsies than biopsies. You will be dead if you're going to live and die by the three ball without looking to get it into the paint first and kick it out or looking to finish with the rim. Yep. Hashtag no, no autopsy. Well, no, you, look at the, that. you look at the composition of this team, and that's what you get, especially with how I opened the show at the starting lineup. It's all jump shooters, even Tice to some degree. Short low jumpers and three-point jumpers. The problem is it's a team that relies on outside shooting that actually right. isn't an outstanding shooting team, and that's the problem. Is like right. that's, that's the thing that doesn't make sense with the Celtics. Is It's like what Sherrod said Friday. You know, they're not the Warriors. They're not the Warriors. Right. Yeah. They're upper tier, though. It's what they have to rely on. I mean, who, who well, on this team's an elite driver, elete finisher, nobody. paint touches? They don't have that stuff. Uh, Jay King for The Athletic wrote it this uh, earlier this week, just talking about overall, like, their, their three-point attempts are way down, and they're near the bottom of the league and down from what they've been. They need more. People people actually, won't believe it, but they need more. You've got the Nick Gelso sitting at home screaming, the NBA's ruined too many threes. But, like, the reality is in today's NBA – they actually do need to jack more threes. Yeah, they, and Brad's Brad's talked about that. He says they keep talking away. about their shot composition because it's not very good. They have a right. lot of, ton of twos. Well, to put that, if, you three, if you're going to compare yeah. with the three versus the contested two, it's not even close. Shoot the three. Right. I don't care. What, yeah, you know? exactly. When you when you when you offer the when you put it in the context, yeah, it makes a lot more sense because when you're a team like the Celtics, like we just said, that doesn't that's afraid to even put their you know tippy toe into the paint. Then of course you're gonna put yourself in a tough spot when you're not taking enough threes and you're not forcing the issue to try to you know get high percentage looks inside the paint or anywhere near it. Well, yeah. How many guys go hard? You know, like e- even Tatum when he goes, it's still a little cutesy around the rim. You know, Jalen. You know, there's a little bit of a wiggle, whatever. You know, you do want to see a little bit more. Just go. You know, like don't. Jalen's hunt- gotten better. Jalen's gotten yeah. a little better, but you yeah. just you really do have to sometimes just put your head down and go. 
Um, and then we just, know who they're missing in that regard. Yeah. Tristan Thompson. Believe <laughs> it or not, John. Get out of here. Believe it or not, he'll he'll take yeah. it in there. Give a he few bumps. Like he looks like Darren Ravel playing basketball when he tries to dive to, drive to the lane. You know, like just sitting but there. He's, like, he's giving it that effort, John, and that's uh, what you I want almost to see. Ask you who? I almost like who? It's the NBA, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby, we don't reward effort. Okay. This you is not a participation so, league, Bobby. It's not a participation we league. We don't do that. That's not what we're about. We don't do Tristan that. Thompson will be great on my Y League with that effort. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm just saying his his impact's been a little bit missed. I'm not saying he's been we don't do that absolutely here. a huge hole on this team, but they've missed him a little bit this last week or so. Oh, well, I've great. seen a little bit more Time Lord in his place, and I gotta be honest. I don't miss him that much. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. I really don't. And you know what? Maybe Not about him. It's possible he's played his last game in green, given this COVID outlook and given the deadline on Thursday. So you might, if, if that's what you want to see, I think it's a possibility. Now, yeah. I will say this about Tristan Thompson. When the Celtics were on that, that stretch where they'd won like four in a row, four out of five and things like that, Tristan was one of the better offensive rebounders percentage-wise in the NBA. I think he might have been tops in that four-game stretch where they won four in a row. But here's my thing about Tristan Thompson. It's great that you have a specific skill that when they're winning works. But to me, he is a, a very prime example of what the problem with this team is, inconsistency. There are things that you have been brought in to do. And when you do them well, the team does well. But you don't do them well enough consistently enough. And the kind of and when you look at what he's doing and you look at what Rob Williams is doing in a much more limited capacity, I don't have a, I don't miss Tristan. I really don't. I really don't. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah, yeah. I, think he's been a, I think he's been a solid player for the team this year, but he's at a position that's filled with talent, as you say, Sherrod. Rob's I playing great. Tice is playing great. So you don't necessarily need him, but I, I think he's done an all right job in his role this he's year. Been- Dead average and totally replaceable. And if he was never here, I don't think they would have made would have missed him. And well, that's you're, not, you're right in the sense, bad. John. You're right in the sense that they do need to swap him out at this point for a different skill set because they have holes in other places that need to be filled: facilitation, wing shooting. And so, if he's gone, I'm not going to cry. But I, mean, I do think he gave it a decent effort this year. Well, he effort, yeah. Participation trophy. I will make sure he gets one before he leaves without question. <laughs> but here's my thing. The two guys that he shares a position with, they bring something that is uniquely special that this team and needs. Better. Rob's yeah. and his athleticism, his youth, the fact that he can block shots. The fact that Rob, he, I don't think he, he's, to me, he's a better offensive threat when he's on the floor than Tristan. And then you got Daniel Tice yeah. who can actually stretch the floor a little bit. He's shooting around like high 30s uh, percentage-wise from three-point oh, range. Yeah. So when I look at what those two guys bring to the table and then I look at Tristan, okay, he's probably a better – he's a better rebounder than Tice – but he's not really giving me everything that Rob is giving, but he doesn't stretch the floor like Tice. What he brings to the table is replaceable. Yep. It's and you need to be a better you defender. Don't to, you don't even, and you don't even have to go outside your roster to replace yeah. what he does. It's if you take Tice out of the mix, you have no one that can stretch the floor at that position. You take don't Rob even. out of the mix, you have no one with that type of athleticism yeah. in the middle. Tristan, Grant, pretty much everything Grant. he does well, I can get rid of and be okay. You get rid of, you get rid of Tice, Grant will get nervous real quick. Two right. Who? Two two things I promised I would Who? do. I promised I would get Bobby and Sherrod off in time to watch the the end of the Syracuse game. It's halftime now. We're up by six. 
Okay, and oh. uh, we do want to get to the trade rumors. However, every time Jalen Brown has a good game and we don't spend time on Jalen, people get mad. So Jalen Brown had a good game. Let's spend some time on Jalen, okay? Oh, you're going to do it okay, like that. Shots went down, and that's what you want to see. And I got no problem with that. I'm not I'm not making an issue. It's just it's one of those games where he shot a friggin' ton of threes, and thankfully they went in. What else did you like from Jalen's game? Well, let's beyond historic amount of threes. Let's oh. say this: there's still that elite level upside with him, and some people thought that this early portion of the season from him was fluky. They kind of regressed back to what he is, and you, you saw that from a two point percentage. You've said it all season, John, that what he was doing early this year from deep two mid range was as good as anybody's ever started a season from that spot on the floor. So that was going to come back to earth a little bit, but the three point shot is fantastic with him. Great base uh, movement off the ball tonight. This was almost like one of his playoff games last year where he had to be an elite player off the ball and he's not getting as much touches on it now. And he made the most of it in a game like this. Yeah. And, and I, I thought a lot of what he did tonight or today, I should, I should say, Ashley came in the flow of the offense. I didn't feel he forced a ton of shots. He did once he got cooking a little bit. He definitely jacked some threes. He should not have been jacking, but he was feeling it. The thing I like about Jalen is that the more we see him play, the more we see him grow, uh, the clearer it becomes that when you talk about the future of the NBA, particularly when you talk about two-way players, there is no two-way player in a game that has as much upside at this point as Jalen Brown. To me, he's a guy that has already proven himself to be an all-star, and yet there's still several le levels that he still can get better at. I'm, and I'm close to taking that two-way title, two-way moniker away from him until he starts playing better defense. He was he was good today defensively. Today. That, that yeah. block and then Lord, the third when, when they go to Milwaukee, he'll 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 impress he's you. Got to earn that two-way tag. He's saving that for the Milwaukee trip. But, yeah. yeah, you know, that third quarter went a long way. I don't know if without Jalen catching fire the way he did, this thing would have went down to the wire. It would have been a nail-biter. And flip a coin, and that's who wins it. You know, that's that's been the case with the Celtics team. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. So, obviously, what Jalen did went a long way, especially in that third quarter. I just – I like it better when, when Jalen has a better uh, view of, of the way the defense is approaching him. And I think he had that going today for sure. Uh, a lot of the times I feel like he, he puts blinders on – and you know what? I don't mind it a lot of the time when he's in attack mode, but sometimes when he's trying to dribble through three defenders and he's trying to find, you know, kick the ball out with only two seconds left on the shot clock, that's what drives me crazy. That's how you get uh, blown out against the, the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, like that, those sort of turnovers, sloppy plays, that'll that'll get them going real quick on the other end and transition. So I just don't want to see that again. I'm looking at these games and I'm thinking about Milwaukee at the same time. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, looking at the, their approach to these teams and I'm like, man, if they do that against Milwaukee, like that's been my ongoing thing right now for this game and, of course, for tomorrow night and this back-to-back. It's going to be a big series. It's a big series. It really is. And now this back-to-back -back stretch is a good way to sort of get – you know what? I shouldn't even say that. It's not a good way to gauge where the Celtics are at, but it's a good way to compare what you should do against the Bucs and what you cannot do against the Bucs. Yeah, no, these five games and seven nights, I think it is, are going to determine this season, where they look uh, seed-wise, what direction they're going to take as a team, and then, of course, the trade deadline. I don't think the next three or so games left are going to you know, signal to Danny, we're making a trade. If we win them all, we're not doing it. If we don't win it, I think it's going to be judged largely by what's they out there and the price and all that stuff. But... <laughs> I think after, after the two Milwaukee games, they'll be sellers, and Brad will be uh, boarding a plane to Bloomington. 
Go on that, John. No, you and Brad. I told you, John, there was a better chance of Barnes having a press conference that he's a Celtic than Brad having one that he was Indiana on Friday. I don't. I still think it's not decided. Anyway, the uh, let's get to the trade rumors, okay? Um, uh, this is mainly from KOC here coming out on the Ringer. Is that right, Bobby? Yep. So everyone, so the the names everyone's looking at now, Aaron Gordon was coming in. Um, John Collins as well. John is in play as well. What's what's interesting? Both Collins and mm. Gordon. Um, and it feels like Barnes, the asking price seems to be the same exact thing, which is a young, a good young player and a draft pick and a first round pick. The problem with the Celtics is they don't have a good young player. Um, it, one of these. They have one. 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 They have Rob. one. Rob yeah. Williams. And, and now one of these reports has them. Uh, they tried to dish Collins to the Wolves for a first round pick in Malik Beasley and the Wolves said no. So, you know, it's lesser than Malik. Be you, it's lesser than Malik Beasley, but we don't, but seems to be greater than Aaron Neesmith. So, you know, that's, here's the problem here. If the Celtics don't have a young player, are they in play for any of these guys? And if so, does it have to be Rob or multiple firsts? And that's kind of, I think where we're at here. Well, yeah, the problem I'm with, with multiple first is that if they're coming from Boston, because right now they have all their own picks, they're going to be in the, in the, at best late teens, uh, but most likely in the 20s. And that gets you Grant Williams. That gets you, okay. Hey, Pritchard, Pritchard. Who's gonna, yeah, Maybe which, which to me, those two guys are an example of the feast or famine potential with late first round picks. So if you're giving up a, a, a guy of, of significant stature, you're not going to roll the dice or something like that. You want something that's a little more proven in terms of players. And Rob Williams is, is the only asset they have that's in that 25 and under range that teams want. And they're not parting with Rob Williams unless you're talking about some, you know, an, an Anthony Davis. Not even Vucevic, I don't think, even will be enough to convince Boston to do that deal. Uh, Vucevic looked mighty average against when he was guarded by Tice tonight, by the way. Um he still he put up good numbers, but man, he was not the dominant player I thought he would be. No, he he didn't. Tice was flustered. Tice was like, "What? You, you guys want to trade for this guy? I'll take care of the dude right now." Yeah, and Gordon, Gordon after a thirty-eight point game had an absolute dog shit game. Yeah, he did. Well, it always depends which team you're working with, too. The Magic, in particular, Rob would probably be enticing for them, but they're oh God, moving yes. into the future with Vucevic. He's he's their center. Rob's gonna be backing him up if he ends up there. Maybe they have more of a stomach for a wing-style player, Pritchard at the point guard spot, that kind of stuff. And then mm -hmm. I think if you do kick out these picks enough into the future, throw enough into the bowl here, and we've seen this again and again with trades that have happened, if you throw two, three, maybe even four future first-round picks, that gets teams moving. That, and, and again, John, it's not so much the player. This is their last opportunity to add a core piece to the roster. They don't have cap space into the future. They don't have young players, assets, I that kind of stuff. They're going to give four first-round picks for a player of that caliber. Well, you got to you get this done somehow. And I'm ultimately, saying, it's going to be a high I, price. I, I don't think that's going to happen. So you do yeah. Rob then. You, you do Rob then. Like There's, yeah, there's only two or three ways to do this. And Rob's so going to be tough to swallow. So you do Robin a pick for job John Collins? Do you think that makes you better? I think so. I think you it does. Think you got to be pretty sure. Yeah, I disagree. I, see, that's I the thing. I disagree better. exactly. You just you just. I don't know if it makes you better I, today. Let alone. I disagree with that because if I'm Danny Age, I'm like, 
is that going to get us to the NBA Finals? You know, and if you're not sure, if you can't answer that question, then you don't do it. Not to mention the fact that Williams, Rob hasn't even reached his seat, nowhere near his ceiling yet, or at least I should put it this way, nowhere near the peak where you should sell. You know, you can get someone of a, of a better, you can get a better name than that, honestly. Well, I, the, the thing, right. The other thing, too, that, that you got to keep in mind, and, and Danny has talked about this, them, is the that they're, they're not going to trade for a guy that they don't believe, for a young guy that they don't believe they can keep in the full long term. And John yeah. Collins has put everyone to notice that if you want me, you better come with max money. Money. And right. Danny is looking at his roster saying, well, I got Tatum on max. I got, you know, Jalen near max. Kimba is max. John Collins? No, bro. You good. <laughs> you nice. Right. But that's not happening. That's everyone's problem here with Collins. Is is he worth – he's going to get the Jalen deal. Is he worth that deal, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, that's what I hope isn't the issue. I hope that all this – uh, pushing into the future, kicking it down the curve, that kind of stuff isn't just about money and the tax this year well, and the tax next year. No, it's about putting a team together that can win a title. And I don't think that adding John Collins is necessarily going to put you all of a sudden in that Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee conversation. Yeah. If you want to give a couple of firsts because that's what it's going to take because you don't have the, the, the first is so useless to me. Throw three, four I'm out saying, the window. I mean, well, that's you're just not going to. Those that you you need to replenish lottery tickets down in young talent when you can't when you can't afford other people you need something plus they're still when Brown and Tatum are gone I'm saying you can't do much else there you can't trade too many in the future unless it's for a stud stud so you got to be really careful throwing four picks at somebody for a, an okay wing player that's maybe going to start or be your sixth man that's not good business but uh, if they can convince. Uh, a team to trade. The the, the 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 situations with Collins and Barnes or Barnes and uh, Gordon are different. Barnes and Gordon have very team friendly deals for two right. years, and then you can decide if you want to extend them if they're working for you. Beyond that, you hold their rights. You have the contracts; they're movable. Those are great assets. I'd be willing. Well, that's to a good thing about Gordon. You Collins could match his contract. Collins yeah. makes no sense to me. No, none. Because and I love him as a player. I just wouldn't. I like make him. a deal for him. Yeah. I think he makes sense from the standpoint that you – well, that's the thing about Collins, too, is you actually would match his contract. They use the Cantor TP because he's making $5 million right now. So both of those situations leave the TP out to the summer. The, the problem, as you say, with Collins is he would effectively fill that salary with the extension that would come there in the offseason. But as a restricted guy, you essentially get to keep him. You just have to know going in that that's what you're going to be paying him. So why are the Celtics interested if that's if – that's, something you know going in if you're going to acquire him you have to pay him that level of money then they obviously they are interested in acquiring him they may love him they may they may really like something but i just think and i i hate giving up rob for him but i think he's more consistent reliable he still has upside and he plays a more important position on the court i'll ask you this Celtics have played the hawks a couple of times this year Okay, who stood out more? Just if you were, if you were watching basketball for the first time, who's, who's made more of an impression in, in in the games? Rob Williams or John Collins? I can't remember a thing John Collins did. Well, you're you're looking at the second game where you had zero points in yeah, the first half. Say, that was the game where first yeah. game he was solid. He was hitting right, three spacing. Is he? Like I said, he, you you have these guys that every once in a while they flash. Then you watch Aaron Gordon tonight, and you're like, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. 
you get geeked up for a minute and then you're like, they're good. They're okay. They're good. They're not great. You know, like that's the thing, John, that's how people feel about, I think that's how teams feel about Rob. They're like, wait, let me see this thing through. Yeah. He's intriguing. Don't get me wrong. There's still some capital there. There's still some value there in the market heading into this week. Obviously here we're four days away or five days away, but I just, if you're Danny, I'm not cashing that card in until I can get, I, I max it out. You know, I max out that value. And I don't think, I don't think they're there yet. I don't think they're anywhere near there. Yeah. So uh, what about the Bogdan rumors, Bobby? What are we hearing there? Well, that's a, that's a way to make it bigger. He would tap into the TP a little bit. So you'd be acquiring multiple players to help the team at multiple spots in need this year. The thing is he's hurt. Uh, he's been recovering right. from knee injury all year and who all knows year. how he's going to come back off that. Uh, so, <laughs> Atlanta probably doesn't love all the money they spent this offseason. And then the consideration with Collins is money they'd have to stack on top of that. Uh, So this will be clearing the deck a little bit. And the tough part about this for the Celtics is that's even more long-term money there that wouldn't expire at the offseason that Kemba would be coming up and uh, some of the other money that comes up around that time does. So you'd essentially just be eating some of Atlanta's salary here that's gone a little too high for their liking. really messed up their offseason. Well, yeah. the, the, the thing that the problem that the Hawks have right now is that they went into the offseason this past offseason looking to bolster the roster with big name uh, additions that could get them into the playoffs. And then they, they came out the gates and they suck. Got rid of the coach. Nate McMillan is running the show. Haven't lost the game since Nate took over. So now all the guys that they were having conversations with about possibly moving, their asking price yeah. obviously has gone up because Everyone they're playing better. So now it's like they're in a tough spot because they can't really do the kind of deals they would have done if they were like the 14th best team in the East. Now you're like seventh or sixth. So if you're going to give up a piece and risk potentially not getting to the playoffs or hurting your team in the short term, you got to get some assets. You got to get more than, than frankly, than, than you're, you're giving away. And to Bobby's point, Teams are probably going to have to give them three or four picks to get John Collins, even if those picks suck, even if those picks are like second rounders that are unprotected or, or, or some type of, of, you know, mechanisms by which they can get assets, whether they can maybe have the option of flipping picks. Yep. They have to get something that is bigger, grander and greater than what you could have got done with them like maybe three, four weeks ago. Well, here's a good yeah. thing, too. So true. You know what? Don't you feel like, Sherrod, I feel like Ainge sort of like put down the blueprint and everyone's like, oh, okay, that's how you do it with the, with the future oh, he, draft. You know? Listen, like, he, he, he is, he's getting a taste of his own medicine. There's, there's yeah, no doubt exactly, about it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then Houston took a page out of that. You know, other teams out in Washington. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. And then now it's like when he when he's the one calling, it's like, oh, wait a minute, Danny. You know what we want. You know what it's yeah. going to take. Like, be, you know, be real Don't now. get me wrong. We've seen the risk of doing it. Houston's in an awful spot. Houston has had to lose 20 games because their picks go in Oklahoma City if they don't. Mm -hmm. If they don't go to the bottom of the league because of that awful Russell Westbrook trade. So you can end up looking stupid pretty fast, giving up multiple first-round picks. But it's either or, John. You know, you're probably not getting a deal Uh, done right now if you're not putting it on the table. You just don't dig into your pocket for four picks unless you're getting a slam dunk player in return, or you think you are. Obviously, anything can blow up in your face with injuries or somebody not performing to expectation, but you're doing it for a high, high level player, not a not a not a not a band aid. Okay, and, and that's where we're at here. Or a young player that you're gonna have for years to come could flip like down I said, the line. I would do it for. I would roll the yeah. dice potentially for like not. Four, I don't know, four picks, but I would up the price for a Lonzo Ball type player, okay? Like, oh, here we go. 
Damn it, John. Well, no, I mean, like I said, the reason Lonzo oh, is because okay. young, you could build a you could build him around him as part of your core. You could decide to lock him up and pay him in the offseason. New Orleans is in a tough spot. You're gonna make your big three core. You if you can only pay three guys real money, it's gonna be Zion Ingram. And, and is Lonzo gonna be one of those guys? Are you locking him up long term? I don't know that they necessarily want to do that because they're losing with this with this group right now. So I know, like, and again, KOC mentioned it in this piece here, they're in a tough spot because they're afraid they could either lose him for nothing in the offseason to an offer sheet or be forced to pay him more than they want to pay him, and they don't yeah. know what to do. So they're in a bit of a crisis sort of situation here. I'd be yeah. more interested in that personally than in terms of giving up assets and locking a guy up long term. I'd be more interested in Lonzo than John Collins, but that's just me. I don't I know. Think try, I just think New Orleans going to try that situation lightly. They're going to try lightly on that. I mean, obviously, that, that's a big piece. They're going to um, freeze and be paralyzed, and then the offseason is going to happen to them, and whatever happens, happens. I think I, I think they're just going to balk. That's the spot Atlanta's in, too. After what happened with Drew Holiday, you know, I think they're going to be a little more careful, no? I, I just – listen, um, the way you feel about him, that's how I feel about Harrison Barnes. Like, like if it's if it's not Harrison really? Barnes, then I don't want it. Yeah, man, Harrison Barnes, listen, whether we're talking – Looks like he's uh, off the table now. I know, right. Well, that's, that, that's, that's long gone now, but again – what, to your to what you said, John, addressing a point, uh, addressing a position in the in the roster that they need help in, addressing the wing position. So whether it's depending, you know whether it's three point shooting, whether it's here's pacing. Why, here's why yeah. Lonzo makes more sense from from the Celtics standpoint. Danny always talks about making moves for the both the short and long term. Lonzo helps you from day one. Because one of your problems is ball movement. Guess what? Lonzo is one of the best ball movers among young guys in the league. So that helps you short term. Long term, his three-point shooting, his perimeter game is getting better. He physically is going to get stronger. He is going to be your future point guard once Kimba's off that max contract. And he'll be, what, 25 maybe or something right. like that? And, but that's and so to me, New if I'm going to overpay for a guy – I'm going to do it for that guy because he has a clear role. John, yes. but the problem the problem with Harrison Barnes, he's a band-aid. Harrison Barnes has no long-term future in, in Boston if you were to bring him in. And the assets that you have to give up are going to hurt you dramatically down the road when you are going to be needing to yeah. fill the back end of your roster right. because you're going to have all these max contract guys. So the thinking with the thinking that Barnes is a realistic option right now. It may in the future, maybe, but right now, like the the Pelicans, they're not going to let that guy go right now. They got to be careful. No, but you might take on a bad contract. They saw what happened with Drew. You may bail them out of something. You may give them first round picks. You take off a contract using the TPE off their hands, like a Reddick or something. Like you could do things there. You could do him. You bring him. But you could do yeah, things yeah, and that wouldn't that wouldn't kill you either. So you might be able to give them some relief where they need it. I, I again, I don't know if it's doable. All I'm saying is, I would like for the Celtics maybe the offseason. Maybe the offseason. Don't, don't freak yeah. out and say I need something to kind of just a little band aid or a little salve to fix something that's ailing me now that isn't part of my long term future. I. Don't do that. I would rather pay a, a premium price for something that you think you actually want and then hold on to it for longer. And I think Lonzo fits into that piece. So that's why I'd be willing to give more there to make that happen than any of the other guys who I think will be okay. That's, and that's that. another one that's got to happen now. Off season, sign and trade. This team just isn't in a cap position to make those kind no, of deals. Right. Yeah, and so this is why – 
Ainge isn't dumb. He's got Zarin in his ear talking about the books and what can happen now versus what can happen later. And they've talked a lot about standing pad and being comfortable with the situation they're in. I'm not buying yeah. it. Like yeah. later, it's going to be much harder later to do the kind of things they want. Would you do smart? Would you put smart in there for Lonzo? We've talked about that before too. Ooh. I was thinking I, maybe even Kemba. You know, like it's, I would. Yeah, Kemba, you can't do because the idea, the point is they don't want to spend this money, so they're not going to yeah. eat more years of Kemba. By the way, I thank goodness I didn't do a Kemba apology camp because he's back to early season Kemba the last six games. I told you to wait. I told yeah. you wait a week or two. Yeah, that was good. I love Kemba. I always thought you. Uh, I just don't like the way he's playing. I love him. I just don't like his play. Yeah, I but love. I'm the same guy. Yeah. If, if this is all about participation awards and trophies like that, Kemba's like my MVP. Yeah. I love <laughs> yeah. Right? He came back early. I can tell you now, Marcus Smart would absolutely devastate me uh, if you put him in a deal for Lonzo. It would devastate the hell out of me. Now, would I do it? Mm, I think I just might. Yeah. I think I just might. That's um, the epitome I think of now and it, later. Because if you think you're not going to re-sign Smart, and and you push your chip. Yeah. If you think That's you're not going to resign him in his next deal, you you cut bait a year early and you push your chips in on Lonzo and say I'm going to pay oh, this guy. That would hurt me so bad. It would hurt. Damn, Damn, I, I would do it. Just two paired so. together. Like, I, I would like that too. I've tossed around Smart for Collins too. I mean, I think Smart's a guy you have to consider right now because of the contract. You, you know Especially, what I would fear though, if I'm the Celtics, my, my fear in moving Marcus was that he would be Tony Allen 2.0. Remember how Tony went to Memphis and all of a sudden they became a completely – he literally changed everything about that organization. They were not grind. They were just god awful bad before he got yeah. there. And all of a sudden they've got this new identity. Marcus could do that with New Orleans. And you're pairing him with, with Brandon and Zion. Oh, my. Yeah. LeBron is thinking like Boston don't do that. Boston don't do that. I will give back some of my Boston Red Sox – Ownership. If you don't do that deal, don't let Marcus Smart go to New Orleans because then they become a problem. Yeah. They become a big problem. And if you're the Celtics, guess what? Lonzo helps you become a problem out east. This is a, a potentially mutually beneficial sort of situation. But again, you, you got to start. It hurts me. Every time you talk about a trade, what we what Celtics fans and we have too often done in this room is we, it has to hurt a little, you know. Um, so this hurts. It has to hurt a little. Every trade's got to hurt a little. So if you if you're really starting to love Rob like I do, I, I, watching him go is going to hurt a little bit. Um, and and it's the same thing for Marcus Smart. And if you love Marcus as long as wait, I wait, have wait, and wait. still do, yeah, I'm wait, feeling a part of the Jalen Brown people. If Jalen oh, no, Brown, oh, you put you put Rob in this, you put Rob in this deal too, in this proposed deal, John. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I'm not. I'm saying any deal. Look, I'm saying no, no, I'm any deal has to hurt a little, which means it's got to be Rob or it's got to be Smart, and yeah. or I don't know who else. Because honestly, there's no other player on no, this team. Right. Reach down and you're say, right, get Smart away. That, that, don't take my Smart away. We have to keep reminding Celtics fans of that constantly, right? Every single night, where every time we do this show, we have to remind them that yeah. every team in the NBA isn't trying to make the Celtics better, right? Yes, they want to make themselves better. Okay, that's yeah. the point. You know what else that's the whole. That's the whole point. Just wait. Also, they've all got DVRs and scouting departments, and every single one of them watched all thirteen of Aaron Neesmith's minutes tonight and said, "No effing way," you know? <laughs> okay. They all watched but him. Yeah, yeah fans are like, well, why don't they trade him already? Why doesn't anyone want him? I don't get yeah. it. Good. Just give him Neesmith. Nobody wants Neesmith. Neesmith and three Neesmith. firsts. 
Get it done. Ugh. Teams yeah. loving those first, though. You keep seeing those ask for it. The it's smart a lottery ticket. Get one. Just hit. The, one of them's got to hit, right? The smart ball one's tricky. How many 14 picks in a row could you blow? You think if they had the 14 pick the next two years, they'd be as bad as these guys? Hey, you want to find out, it seems like. <laughs> one of them's got to be Halliburton, right? Oh, Don't man, that would hurt on Friday. Oh, you know, all, all, the, all, the Giannis, all the Giannis people come out real quick. Don't say the 13th pick. Oh, Halliburton know. has two finishes over the weekend where I was just jaw dropped. That guy is special. But I, 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 the smart ball one's tough for me. I think that is such a significant drop-off oh. right now in terms oh, of what the Celtics geez. need. The best thing about that trade is you don't use the TPE and you can still use it again. So, like, anytime you can make a trade to get a piece for the future and still possibly swing the TPE into something is interesting, okay? So Would there's... you rather trade Rob or Smart? It depends for whom. Smart. Yeah. It, all, it, it, for me, it depends on whom I'm getting back in return. Yeah, getting, in this, in this, in this, this uh, it has to be smart. Rob, I guess in this situation, it's, ones, it's Rob for Collins and, Collins, and Smart for Ball. Probably Rob, right? Yeah. Which I'm not sure I do because I don't know if I like Collins enough. I think I'd rather keep Smart. Yeah, I think it's I'd rather keep if, if If, if I've got just, Collins, Rob on one end, and I've got Smart, Lons on the other, <laughs> I think I want to keep Marcus and bring – Bring John yeah. in. I mean, this is the this is the thing about Rob John. I know you love his potential, and everybody in the Celtics world does. Reliability, consistency, stability with injuries, all that stuff I look at with Rob. Even today, bad game fouling. Defensively, he wasn't always there. He had a few flashy plays, but do we know he's going to come together as the fully formed, actualized player? We're still a long way from that, I think. And with big men, it can take a while. And guess what? This offseason, they have to decide, are you going to extend Robert Williams? And I still think you're in a spot with him where you say, do I? Don't I? Uh, let's oh, let I another team do. decide. No, you I, do I if you you're do. keeping him. Yeah, if, if you're keeping him, you absolutely do that. And and I, I'm pretty sh- you're gonna You're going to try to make that happen. You, you are going to try to make that happen. But, man um, – I don't want to lose smart. I mean, I I I, I really don't want to lose a lot. it. It would just for I mean for obvious reasons with his defense, but to me, I mean he just he brings it. He brings it every night, and even when he plays like crap, you don't feel as though he's dogging it. You don't feel like he's giving you less than his best. And I can't say that about a lot of these guys because Tatum can get you twenty five points like that, and you are pretty damn sure he wasn't his best version as John would like to say, the best version of himself in that game. I don't feel that about Marcus. Marcus can go three for 19 and have the best game of his life because he'll make a he'll make a diving save, he'll force a turnover, he'll contest the shot that the other team needed to make, and they won't because he contested it. He does all those intangible what? things that I love. Thanks what he's done in the playoffs, too. But what, Sharad? But what? But a chance to get Lonzo. <laughs> you really love Lonzo that much, huh? I love Lonzo for what he is now and what he and can what he become. Can be. Yeah, that's and that's that's mean. what and and I'm I'm trying to think and of what Danny would think about yeah. it because if it's just me personally, I'm not moving Marcus Smart because I love Marcus Smart to death. But if I'm trying to think the way Danny thinks, Danny's always looking at that short term, long term benefits right. and guys that can help help him at both ends of that spectrum. And Lonzo <laughs> is that kind of player. And and again, it's uh, uh yeah, it's it's tough and smart hurt. You're right, Sean. One of two things will happen. Smart will go somewhere else, and it'll be like 
instantly you'll realize like oh god we just tony allen all over again ripped the heart out of our chest and like oh my god especially with the pelicans or, that's trying to build or, something or nobody wants to hear this he goes somewhere else and be like wow we might have vastly overrated his impact you know it's like i don't know which one it's going to be because smart like i said it smarts that guy what happened you know, the true value of the player um is 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 is, is, is all the intangible stuff that you like that we all think exists because we've watched enough of this team over the years to know, and they all say it too. The players say it. He's our heart and soul. Um, but it's always a, is it just, is it something that we've created and fabricated in Celtics nation to be a bigger, a bigger, more significant thing than it actually is? I don't is? think it, I don't think it is. Or, or we've underrated it and it's the most important thing and trading it would be an absolute disaster. It's a real dice roll. Cause I don't well, know that first, that first question you asked is about what he's done. And there is no doubt about it. he's been the heart and soul of the team and he's done substantial things for this team year in and year out. People the question you have to ask and underrated it's, it's a real, obviously he's such a polarizing player. I, I think his track record to this point has proven what he is, which is a all defense, a great passer, clutch shooter, that all that stuff. The question you're asking if you're going to move him is what's it going to be in three to four years? And he's piled up injuries over the years. He's gotten up there minutes-wise, all that kind of stuff. And he's a kind of player you ask, are you going to invest $20 million plus? Because they got him on a cheaper deal. Than he's he not getting $20 million, for. by the way. That's what he's going to be looking for after that cheaper first deal. Wait, I'm looking for $20 million also. <laughs> so it sounds like John's shipping him out. <laughs> no, I'm saying I think a lot of people in the comments have said Smart's going to be looking for 20 on that next deal. I don't think Smart gets 20 on the next deal. At the end of the day, everyone else outside of Boston sees a player who scores about 10, 11 points a game, shoots sub 40%, plays pretty good defense, but is not a terrific on-ball defender, and you're paying for intangibles. Teams do not give $20 million for intangibles. They don't do especially it. Shooting, especially you shooting. You don't do it. You shoot it in a league where you need shoot, shooters. Yeah. Right. You do not pay 20 something million dollars for intangibles. You don't right. do it. So but I don't JJ, believe smart JJ Reddick got almost 20 not too long ago because he could shoot. That's yes. why. Yeah. I, it's, smart will never get that on the open market. Never. That's I'm I'm I feel strongly about that because he is a guy that you absolutely want to have and makes you better, but he's a bit of a luxury item when you're talking about where am I going to put? Where am I going to put my chips? Where am I going to place my money? Yeah. You have limited amount of money to spend. I do not believe a team goes out and throws twenty something million dollars at Marcus Smart. They don't. They don't. don't. They don't. Especially a guy who probably might be a sixth man. You know, this is a guy who's going to. It's. It's not. How much does uh? How much does Al Horford make? If he were free right now in the open market, Martin, he might be. No, I'm saying how much did he make? You never know when you get into these off seasons. I mean, I Al, Al Horford is really better than, than Marcus Smart. Bob. Al Horford yeah. is a stretch four who can do good yeah. defense centers and shoot three. Significantly better than Marcus. Yeah, he's a different guy, you know. Right. But I don't know, uh, Sherrod, you, you you look upset. You look. You look I know what you got. It, 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 uh, first of all, I'm internally struggling with the concept of moving Marcus Smart because I love Marcus <laughs> Smart to death. So there's that battle. But I'm, I'm thinking about your question, John, and and you're right. Marcus brings a lot. I mean, intangibles, that's really what his forte is. Right. But if you're talking about, like, just pure basketball, I mean, remember, Marcus Smart, he's one of, like, the top five, top six all-time three-point shot makers in Celtics history. 
his assist numbers have gone up each of like the last three years. His he's actually getting better in the yep. the stuff that we actually care about, like facilitating, rebounding, and and you're getting that improvement with all of the intangibles that you know you're going to get. So it's not a stretch for him to get 20 million a year. I would be a little bit surprised. I think Marcus will probably get something in the high teens um, that will average out to about 17, 18, 19 million a year. 20, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but shit, at that point, he's what's a couple million dollars. He's a career 37% field goal shooter, 31% from three. And granted, two years ago, I think that outlier season where he shot 36 threw people off thinking he was trending. So if you're like, oh, if he shoots 36, 37, 38, that's good. Dips last year to 35. Four years ago. He's yeah. 33% this year, okay? It's a guy who averages about four or five assists per game, 10 points per game for his life. That Those stats alone are not 20-something million dollars. You have to believe that you are paying for somebody whose mere presence is absolutely going to elevate you to another, to another level. I really do think, again, outside of Boston, or we, we, it's we, – it, in Boston, we may overvalue or value appropriately, but I do not believe he has that same uh, – value to other teams that haven't had the full Marcus Smart experience because you're well, going over you're going yeah, on I mean, obviously the all the all NBA defense is, is a lot to say about that right I mean uh, that's what gets you 15 plus right I, I'm, I'm with you Shiraz somewhere I don't know 17 18 million to probably average out maybe it tops out one of those years 19.5 but I think on average it'll be around there uh, and again, that's the reason why he will get that much because you the, need the shooters, resume. man. I don't think so, but yeah. The, but the so. resume, though, the resume will get you 15 million. He'll uh, this year. We'll see, but obviously, he's made a couple of All NBA first teams, you know. So yeah. that that that's significant, I think. And, and of course, you know, deep uh, playoff appearances, you know, deep runs, deep playoff runs, all that experience. Yeah, but 20, 20 might be a little bit too much. So I don't know, but this is what we're talking about in these trades. It's an interesting thing. He might not even be on the table, and this and New Orleans might want nothing to do with anything the Celtics offer, nor dealing ball. And that's well, it's that, the right idea. It's exactly what Sharar said. But it's what you're gonna have to do. Yeah. Setting yourself up for now and later, because this team continues to expire at a rapid rate. One guy's yeah. leaving, next guy's leaving. You get nothing for them, and this TP is another thing on top of that. So you got to get something for it at some point. You just can't let that thing expire. So let's right. wrap. I, I'm not talking about like getting Tyler Zeller, which is what they did when they had a TPE a few years ago. We we need to get a little bit better for TPE game. Let's put a bow on it. Let's put a bow on it. Go around the horn, okay? Of the names being mentioned that you think are possible, pick your guy. Pick your guy and make your make your realistic trade. Go. We'll start with Bobby. Pick your guy. Collins has been my guy for a long and, time. And what are you trading for it? I would do Rob. If that's what like if they're gonna put their foot down, bang the table and say we want Rob. <laughs> That's what you have to do to acquire him. You can't get this guy in the offseason. You can't. Yeah. And so it's all about now. How can you beat these other teams now? Because obviously there's five teams interested in him. Wolf said, we're not doing Beasley. So you got to be the team that comes out and pays a fair price for it. Now, would I rather do three first-round picks and Pritchard and Langford and Eastmith and all this stuff and just throw whatever at them? Sure. Especially if you're going to take back Bogdanovich because what was mentioned here is that if they're trying to get off some money, keep their – run rolling here then maybe you give them some rotation players that can continue that run collins is going to be a tough one for atlanta to swallow because that will take a bite at their you know run that they're on right now but bogdanovich isn't playing so they can dump him and say 
we're still rolling here in the Celtics. If they give up multiple young players and multiple firsts, add two rotation guys that they can rely on. And Bogdanovich would make a big difference as far as four spacing goes. And Collins is a guy who can play the four and the five. It's just how great of a defender can he be is the question. I just like adding that young guy who still has potential to rise in a different system because for his whole career, Atlanta's been terrible. They haven't been well coached. He hasn't gotten great development on the defensive end of the floor because they're building around Trey Young. So I just love the idea of him coming in here and becoming a better player in a better system. All right, Josue, go. Yeah, I'm going on a limb. I'll be bold here. Bring back Al Horford. F it. Uh. Bring him back. I don't hate it. Hold on, let me finish. That's your TP oh, you use? Hate it, right? You might as well go get Tyler's out. Right, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Give your rationale. Right. Bite the bullet for a year. Uh, look to restructure that final year because I know it's what everyone's thinking about, you know, the end of that contract. That final year is an option. So, you know, you restructure that, put yourself in play and, and, and try to get better from there. But, I mean, that's essentially your team for the, 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 the rest of this season and next year. So, I know that's a little scary, but when you think about if you're not giving up a Rob Williams or – or, or uh, you know, uh, Marcus Smart. I mean, it's not a bad route if you're able to pull it off. You know, handful of future first, a uh, couple of bench options. We, we talked about the names. You know the names, the the, the Romeos, the the, the Aaron Neesmiths. Uh, the, the greatest the, hits. The Green, Grant <laughs> Williams. Hey, OKC, take your pick out of these four or five. Take it. Take the picks. Use the exception. You still have a little bit left over and see what you can do in the offseason. You know, I think also don't don't forget Al Horford is obviously a good guy to have in the locker room, but you put him back together with Rob Williams. Rob Williams before the start of this regular season talked about how Al Horford, his advice, he's not something that people talk about, but it went a long way his rookie season. And he was really looking forward to uh this season to make that make that leap. Obviously, he has in, in some sense. So I, I think Al Horford had a lot to do with that. Bring him back and uh put put those two together as the uh as the new defensive anchors of this team. So did Tristan. All right, Sherrod. Don't. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm listening to to my good friend Bobby and my good friend Joe Sway. Your ears are bleeding. (laughs) Okay. Let me let me let me try to process and and, and just kind of get what is marinated out onto the to you. I'm not going to give up on Rob Williams just yet, even for someone like for for like Collins, because to me. It doesn't make me appreciably better. I have a player in Rob Williams who has skills that when you start going through the entire NBA landscape, no one is that freakishly athletic, that young, who knows my system, who I don't have to worry about whether they can adapt to being in a winning culture because that's literally all Rob knows. And John Collins, that's literally the one thing he doesn't know. So he's out of the picture. Joe Sway. I love Al Horford. I love Al Horford to death. We even use the same 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 body lotion. I've seen it in his in his locker. I, I use the same I use the same stuff. We have the same scent. We're we're like that. But I would not use my TPE on him because remember, Danny wants short term, long term benefits. Right, right. Hold on, hold on, sorry. Al we're, is we're, for the moment. And here's the thing: Al forgot to mention, doesn't help you. You're throwing, you're throwing in Thompson too. You're throwing Thompson, so that you're not using a lot of that TPE. But go ahead, sorry. Al doesn't help you get any closer to winning a title this year, in my opinion, because you're still going to be behind Brooklyn, at least two to three teams between Brooklyn, Philly, and Milwaukee. You'll still be behind at least two of them. So he doesn't help you there. To me, you have to figure out a way to jumpstart what you have. And you need to do it on the cheap. 
And so this is my suggestion. And again, you guys are going to cringe when I say this. I want to bring back Isaiah Thomas on a minimum contract. Here's why. Here's why. Because if, hear, hear me out here. Hear me out. If it works the way it potentially could, he can give you that energy, that boost, that whatever the hell you don't have right now that's clearly missing. If it doesn't work, get rid of him. You did it before, and now you can do it even easier than you did before. Because at this point, there's not one move that you're going to be able to make at the trade deadline or this offseason that is going to automatically catapult you to where you are right up there with Brooklyn and Philly and those other guys. But you need to do something. Do something that you know has worked. Do something that you know may not work as well now, but damn it, try something. Do not let the, the trade deadline come and go with the same 15 guys on the roster now. will be the same 15 guys that you're going to try out for the rest of the year. Don't do that. Yeah. Do something. And, again, IT would be a very minimal money-wise. And but his impact could be much grander than that. Do something. It's going to be yeah. a sad day when they let him go again, though, Sherrod. Oh That's my God! Really? You know what? I I, I will they say I will go. absolutely. Do you, do you remember the Denver Broncos player of uh, um, Moreno? The the gym no, where he's just right. yeah, yeah. That's going to be me. He ran for two hundred something against the against the Pats here uh, in one game. But um, had, had Bill crying. I know. No, they did it. They let him do it on purpose because they didn't want Manning to throw. Um, but anyway, the uh, <laughs> the uh, for me again, I I said Lonzo, but I don't know if he's on the table. But that's the person I would overpay for if the I would say if uh, Sacramento's dumb enough to do Neesmith for a I mean uh, Barnes for Neesmith or or Romeo in a draft pick, I would certainly do that as well too. I am reluctant to give yeah. up on Bob because I think he's potentially a core player. He may not be. But I know that the other guys aren't either. So I'd rather roll the dice on a potential core player um, right now. And if you ask most people around the league, when people are talking about Boston, they're basically saying that the keepers on the Celtics are the two Jays and Rob at this point. And that just kind of feels to be the vibe. doesn't mean he's not tradable. I just think it's really got to be the right trade to give up. And I am afraid that none of those other guys do it. So you either get super creative or you trade something that like – big we're talking smart we're talking i'm not saying trade jalen i'm saying you get really big with it and 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 remake the whole team on the fly building around jason or whatever or you you throw in as much as it possibly takes to get the one guy that you really like that's both now you know a now and later and right now the only name i'm seeing out there is ball gordon from what i'm reading here those they're talking multiple firsts and multiple players i don't think the celtics have enough well, I don't think the Celtics have enough in the war chest to get to go Gordon. I'm not kidding. I think it's a competition. He I looks like a blazer to me. Firsts, two firsts, Rob and Romeo doesn't get it done. You know, like I really don't think so. You know, you I don't could? know. Really? I, I said maybe I not, but I think it's going to be, it could be two firsts and a, and a reasonable player. And if the sticking point then becomes Rob versus anyone else, do you guys do two firsts and Rob for, for Gordon? No. Oh, I do Grant gosh. Williams. I do so the these other one. I do the other one. The, the problem is, it's not an either or. If you're another team, you're not saying, eh, I'd rather you, have Collins and Gordon. One of these three guys, I'm fine. I'd rather have Collins. Yeah. yeah. Collins? Yeah, I'd rather have Collins. Because I, I just Go ahead. Gordon's got a bit of a broken shot. His offense mm -hmm. is a oh, challenge in his shot I selection. I agree. 
Yeah, I think the tricky thing for Gordon is that his shot selection would fall into Boston's issues more than improve in Boston. He'd be willing to take those spinning jumpers and long twos and all that stuff. And he doesn't trust his three. You saw it at times today. He looks like a blazer to me. I think they love the defensive wings. I think they could trade Gary Trent for him as a good centerpiece. They have picks to offer, of course, as well. And I think the competition is going to be stiff on him. And Orlando doesn't have to rush to move him, although they'd probably like to. I think what's so great about Ball and Collins is that those teams are kind of under the gun. Are you going to keep them or are you going to risk losing them? Specifically Atlanta, because they want to keep this going, but they know there's a substantial chance that they could lose him and probably will lose him this offseason. So you, if you want to make that move, you got to do it now. Are you going to be hard capping yourself with a sign and trade later? You're probably going to be getting less in that situation. So I think that's a move that ends up happening as tough as it would be for Atlanta. Ball, it's the same situation, but is there money out there for Ball this offseason? That's the question everyone's asking, and I think it's it could go either way. I think there are quite a few deals that they would there's probably a, match There's Ball a bunch on. of teams that will throw an offer sheet at him for sure. You think so? Yeah. Yes, I yeah. do. All right, so they're yeah. going to have to get him moving. So they, they got to decide. That's Again, and I believe both Atlanta, as Sherrod mentioned, and New Orleans will be paralyzed by indecision and allow it to allow the decision to be made for them, carrying it into the offseason, and then just hope for the best. And they'll just keep kicking that can down the road without a plan. It is really hard to make that plan right in the middle of the season. And that box is Boston out eventually. It's hard, yeah. but you're right. you got to make that move now because uh, it'll get very competitive in the offseason, I think. So I don't know. Tough call. Anyway, we went around. Guys, catch the last few minutes of the Q's game. Um, we're oh, back. damn. It's tied up. Okay. Is it really? Yeah, it's is it really? Six all. Yeah. Six all right. I don't want to keep you any longer. Oh, Sherrod, I'm going to have you on here again. Sherrod scary. writes for Bleacher Report, Boston Sports Journal. He has the A-List podcast on CLNS Media Network. Uh, another episode dropping Tuesday. Do you have a guest lined up yet? Uh, I do. I, we will be talking with Sam Amick. Uh, NBA, there you yeah. go. Deal. So you like that? The season. Exactly. So you know what we'll be talking about. Pretty much what we're talking about right now. Uh, yeah. But we'll. But obviously, you know, Sam. He's been longtime NBA uh, beat writer. Uh, he's. Uh, we'll be talking about the trade deadline. Obviously, we'll get into the buyout market. We'll talk about the Kings as well, and, and Barnes specifically with him having a background, having covered the Kings for a while. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll be uh, we'll be chopping it up with my good friend Sam. So guys, and again, if you're if you're if you're watching here, we always appreciate having you. So so that's great. Uh, but uh, you're 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 silly if you're not subscribed to Sherrod's podcast already because they get real movers and shakers and insiders every single week. It's great inside information. It's great conversation. It's a really fun podcast. Um, so obviously, you've got Sam Amick who's been dropping really like dropping info left and right on this stuff. So you definitely want to tune into that and we'll put it out on our YouTube channel as well. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channels if you haven't already. Josue Pavone, heavy.com and the Causeway Street Podcast. Also, I'll see on us media network and Bobby Manning for Celtics blog, Boston Sports Journal, CLNS Media, and the host of Dome Theory. Um, again, a podcast you can find on the CLNS Media Network. Thank you guys for hanging around. Another game tomorrow. We may get Jimmy back. Different cast of characters. We'll see. Um, and uh, we got a lot more interesting stuff starting in April on the postgame show. We call that a tease in the business. I'm not going to tell you guys exactly what it is, but it's going to involve uh, you guys, the listeners and the fans. And I will tell you all about it uh, as we get a little closer to that date. So, guys, thank you very much for watching. Oh, we'll be crazy. Be